0: It's a hockey show for you, the best fans in the AHL. Comet's Insider on 94.9 K Rock. Presented by IBEW Local Union 43, by Hobby Hill Farms, and by Pathfinder Bank.
1: Look out, here
2: comes Arsenal moving in with a shot. Save Wedgwood, rebounds Goodman! And was able to punch it home. The Comets lead is up to four. High slot feed, Briesbach shoulder back and in front scores! Justin Bailey on a tap in! Eight.
0: It's time to go top shelf at the 72 Tavern and Grill. It's Rain Man and Scoop. It's been a slightly successful
3: start to the season for the Utica Comets. Mildly. You, you really, you can't really, you can get better. And that's funny that you hear Trent Cole say that, but I think everybody in the locker room would say the same thing, even though they're 5-0, and leading the league in goals.
1: Is it the lowest Amount of goals allowed in league, or is it a tie right now? It's a tie. The Marlies and the Comets have the lowest number of goals against at 11. Insane. It, it's just everything is, is going well. And the
3: Comets, for the most part, especially since the Syracuse game, have just crushed teams. There's no way of disputing that. 6-2, 8-2, 7-1. Courtesy IBW Local Union 43, Hobby Hill Farms, Pathfinder Bank, Utica Comets and Saturday from the 72 Tavern and Grill, as you heard, with scoop and rain on 94.9 K Rock. And we welcome in the guy who he took the red carpet a few minutes after everybody, because he didn't play on Saturday, but he's got two of the five wins so far. Goaltender Michael DiPietro Pietro is with us. How are you? We'll ask you the same question you asked us uh, when right before we crack the airwaves.
4: I'm doing good. Yeah, it was uh, it was a good day off today, and you know, obviously, uh, anytime you get to sleep in is a little nice, and, and get my beauty sleep. Lord knows I need it. So, uh, yeah, it was a good day to re- kind of recharge the batteries.
3: You didn't get the day off; you had to come in here and talk to us. Thanks, man.
4: I know it's another perk; it's perfect.
3: One of the funny things that that he just said to us was, we just showed him his updated stats. He's like, I don't ever look at stats. So, of course, I had to hand it to him, updated, including the two games with the Comets, no penalty minutes so far. And Mike goes, I got it. <laughs> change that
4: <laughs> yeah maybe i have to talk to Ars or something but uh <laughs> yeah I, I think the guys are a little bigger than junior so i think i'll probably just stay on my net uh, I'm, I'm only a six foot guy so can't be picking fights with anyone
3: <laughs> yeah that's a it's a common theme that you hear about michael di pietro the size the size the size the size but you've heard it all your life your play yeah. has your play has just every stop that you've made in your career your play has changed that narrative Why is that? I I think you've got to have your own philosophies on that, or at least your own mindset and how you combat that.
4: Yeah, I think so. Um, You know, I definitely use any negative, uh, you know, negative energy towards me or negative words, uh, definitely regarding my size. Uh, You know, I kind of channel it into the positive avenues. That way I can, you know, I really can't control it. You know, this is the way, you know, God made me. And, um, you know, I'm just going to use, you know, use it to my advantage Uh, people see as a detriment and something that could hold me back but i think it's an opportunity to you know really uh really embrace it i've always been a guy that is uh, embraces pressure embraces hard moments so uh for me it's just you know i'm six foot i don't consider myself a small goaltender i look at you know guys who've won the stanley cup these last few years and they're you know not six five goaltenders as well so and I look to a guy like Jonathan Quick, obviously a lot of success, well, uh, obviously representing his country on multiple stages and in, in the success he's had in his NHL career, and that's someone who, who I model my game after. Also Mark andre Fleury, someone as well as who I model my game after. He's also not 6'5". He's very athletic, and I think him and i kind of the same demeanor uh you know in the same mindset uh just having fun each and every day every time we come to the rink and you know playing pranks on the guys and just being a you know big positive ball energy so that's uh you know those are people that i kind of look up to in the hockey community that i can definitely compare and contrast myself to
1: four seasons uh as a windsor spitfire and your sophomore year you go to the memorial cup Uh, talk about that experience that is just a fantastic tournament and uh you guys rocked it
4: yeah it was great uh being from the area it was was kind of a big year for myself it was my nhl draft year um, we were talking about distractions earlier, and you know, I could easily have gotten caught up in all those distractions and, and all those different, uh, you know, I guess those barriers or roadblocks that could arise through that whole year. But you know, I had a really good coach in Rocky Thompson, a really good goalie coach throughout the year, and Jimmy Bedard, and you know, they just uh, approached each day for what it was. You know, we we really didn't get uh, you know too caught up in hosting the Memorial Cup that year. Uh, we were just focused on each day, and I think that's what gave us so much success. Um, we didn't really reach it uh, the conventional way. We we lost out in Game Seven in first round against the London Knights, actually Ollie's team. And uh, you know they were a very very good team. Obviously they they tested us, but we used those uh, days off, I guess you could say, to our advantage and to make sure we we're ready for the tournament. And we ended up running table in the tournament, so we obviously uh, had a lot of success. Being from
1: Windsor though, and having four great seasons with the Spitfires, how difficult. Was it to to go to the Ottawa 67s? Uh, You know, that's something that happens uh, in in juniors like that. And you were obviously on your way to winding up here. Um, But that being your hometown and after four seasons there, that had to be a little weird and a bit of a a, a sort of bittersweet thing.
4: Yeah, it was... (laughs) You know, you never really expect yourself to get traded. Uh, there's speculation. There's there's always going to be that. But when it actually happens, uh, you really can't prepare yourself for it. Um, you know, I was, I was perfectly fine with being away from family and friends. You know, I was about to that time where I knew the following season I'd be hopefully here in Utica and on my own and everything. But... You know, leaving the organization was probably the toughest thing for me. Uh, Growing up, watching, you know, watching the Winter Spitfires, winning back-to-back Memorial Cups, being able to be the guy in Windsor to bring back another Memorial Cup. And, you know, you make so many friends inside the organization that quickly turn into family. And then, you know, with all the appearances you do out in the community, and you start building those relationships as well because hockey players are in a unique position i always find that can impact people in a you know a positive way so you know when those all those factors factored in to that trade it was you know, you're know, you leaving much more behind than just your family and your friends you're leaving extended family extended friends uh that you built throughout those three and a half years i was in windsor and uh but that being said it was a great opportunity in ottawa i was super excited to go to a contender we obviously had a great run, um, cut short. But, uh, yeah, was, I look back on it with nothing but fond memories as well.
3: That's Mikey DiPietro. You don't mind Mikey either. and no. You don't want to be – maybe when you get a little old, you can be Michael DiPietro. <laughs> but I want you to build on that because is it fair to say that – I mean, obviously your dream was probably to get to the NHL since you were very young. You, you listed some of the guys that you looked up to, uh, fellow goaltenders. But being from Windsor was – playing for Windsor and representing that team and that organization kind of like one of those earlier childhood dreams as well you're like I want to do this then I want to go to the NHL and then you talked about the community aspect of it so kind of a two-parter after that I want to hear how you're ingratiating yourself into the Utica community because you've been out in our community here in the very short time that you've been here
4: yeah I guess when I was a kid growing up you, you watched the winter spitfires as, as a fan uh, you yeah. look up to players like Taylor Hall, sure. Adam Henrique, you know, big names, Ryan Ellis. And, you know, at that time, I was just playing minor hockey. And as I get older, you, you know, those dreams slowly start to become a reality. And then on draft day, it was, uh, it was an honor being drafted by Windsor because, frankly, there's no other team that, you know, I, I really wanted to go to because I wanted the opportunity to play because I knew I could play. And, and, uh, and i knew I could make a difference at an early age so being drafted to windsor was definitely a dream come true i think um you know when you get drafted by windsor you're so infatuated in the moment and you know you want to be the impact player you are and then you quickly move into obviously you want to make that next jump and then the next jump and then uh you know you fo- i found myself kind of looking too far ahead at times and so when the nhl draft came around it was something that okay you know when your dream since you were a kid was going to become a reality that's a whole different feeling yeah um, that's something that is it's hard to explain you, have, you go through a roller coaster of emotions and then after getting drafted it's, it's all you want is to make that jump make that jump but uh, I promised myself my last year junior I was gonna enjoy my last year in junior and I think that's what I did I found myself not looking too far ahead and I think not, that's what allowed me to have so much success last year was just because I tried to stay in the moment and I think that's what I'm going to try to do here as well. Uh, I understand that's a process. Obviously, I want to play in the NHL one day for a very long time, but I love my time here in Utica. It's something that uh, has been great so far. I've only been here for, for about a month and i I absolutely love it here i love the fans i love the people i love people in the front office and, and i love my teammates and it's something that you know i love to do is play hockey and having to do it as my job now is uh is pretty cool now i lived in detroit
1: for a while and i would very often the radio station i worked for we'd be over in windsor doing uh gigs at bars and what have you and one of the things i found is that on the detroit side of the river they were wingspans but very often on the canadian side of the river Leafs fans. they were Leafs fans what were you growing up i was a wings fan you Wing, were a Wings fan.
4: wings fan my my best friend growing up his dad actually has season tickets to the wings so my dad and me and his dad and him would always go over you know watch tv y and you watch you know guys like thomas holmstrom johan franz and the dominator and that that was uh yeah it was so cool when they were you know, that powerhouse team yeah. when they were back-to-back, Stanley Cup Finals against Pittsburgh. Um, it's that thing that I was at the game where Fleury actually slid across the net with his chest and stopped Lidstrom, and, you know, it, it was deafening in Joe in Joe Lewis Arena. So growing up as a kid, I was a diehard Wings fan, and uh, I guess I, I can't say that now, but, um, yeah, growing up, it was definitely, uh, definitely the Wings. And... Ty Domi is from Windsor. You ever met him or Max maybe? or No, I never actually met. I've never met them. Uh, it would be pretty cool to hopefully play against Max one day. But, uh, yeah, Ty's from Bell River. And their old arena, they're actually called the Bell River Rink Rats. And they they had pictures of Ty everywhere. And, and our, our area was lucky enough to pump out some pretty big name uh, pl- players that play in the NHL, guys like Ty Domi, Bob Prober, Bob Bugner. Bob uh, Probert. you know, yeah. Warren Reichel. So players like that, you know, we got our kind of uh you know our grittiness and our toughness people who are from our area but uh yeah it was certainly so cool to be you know around guys like that that's for sure
3: it's michael D. pietro mikey D. pietro goaltender for the utica comments here on comments insider from the 72 tavern and grill with 94.9 k rock if you get a chance read ty domi's book oh it's great isn't it it's just a fantastic
1: read did we have him on the air yeah we had him uh, right when the book came out he did uh, a nice interview with us that's a guy who's got a zillion stories, man.
3: Fascinating <laughs> read, and Zach, we'll talk about a small guy. Fascinating how he gave his body up. bit 300-and-something fighting majors in Oh, well, yeah, career. and then
1: the, there's the legendary matchups with Bob Probert, yeah, with Probert, who they wound up being great friends, you know, ultimately, uh, after doing battle. Mike, I wanted to ask,
3: in listening to you and talking to you on Saturday before the game when you joined us outside for pregame, and now you, you have a wisdom far beyond a typical 20-year-old. You're very analytical, and you, you seem to think things through, and you have a, a cerebral approach to every aspect of your career thus far. My guess is that's guidance due to circumstances when you were very young that you've dealt with, and then your father, who you have stated is your best friend on your journey so f- in, your, in your life so far, but some very good guidance by him. Good dad right there. He really <laughs> led you down the right path and taught you how to think for yourself and make your own decisions. I've noticed that. I don't know if you have a sense of that yet, but I'd love to hear what you think.
4: Yeah. Um, everything starts and ends with my dad. He's, uh, as you know, he's my best friend. He's someone that, you know... I- you always appreciate your dad and you appreciate, well, your parents in general when you're younger.
3: And especially when you have a good one. Especially.
4: Yeah. And, you know, but as you grow older, you, and I look back on all the sacrifices you actually did make as I grew up and start my life on my own. Um, you know, it's it kind of mind-boggling for me. Uh, you know, they got married in 1990 and, you know, my mom ended up battling cancer for on and off for 14 years before she passed away. And, you know, when you share your life with someone and someone who's, you know, your best friend and, you know, you see him sick and knowing that you can't, you've ex- exhausted all possible options and there's nothing else you can do but a- admit defeat in that area. But behind that door, you have a four or five year old, you know, playing with Lincoln Logs or, you know, whatever I'm doing. And doesn't and,
3: truly understand what's going on. And I on. don't
4: truly wrap my mind around it. And then, you know, he puts on two different faces. You know, he obviously is there consoling my mom, but then he's there with me trying to perk me up. And and being, you know, trying to play father, mother, and then obviously being a helpful spouse. So eventually my mom passed away. Uh, My dad and I obviously became closer because we bonded over that. Of course. Um, But my dad never once said we can't do it. Um, you know, he was a very blue-collar hard-working guy. He didn't really have an outs like he wasn't a doctor or something like that He worked for the hydro company there in Windsor and he's very proud of it He's a guy who works well with his hands and and everything like that and um, Anything I wanted to do if he couldn't provide it for me right then and there It was always on the back burner that is something that he was working towards at least providing me uh, in some point and him and I always bonded over sports and the year my mom passed away was the year my first year playing hockey and hockey was always something that it was something special for me and something that my dad and I always shared together through that bond and as I grew up and over the years and when my dad first started dating my stepmom she went through similar tragedy with my stepbrother her husband and her brother died uh, in a car crash when she was pregnant with my brother Wow so he never got to meet his father as well Um, so we kind of bonded over grief our family and I think it was brought us closer together. And never once did my stepmom ever say she was going to take the replace of my mom. And never once my dad took the replace of my, my brother uh, for his dad. But, you know, I call my mom mom because she is. She's always been a mother figure for me. And my dad has always been my best friend. And, you know, we, we get that. We come from different parts or different things happen to us. But we bond over similar things. And I think that's what makes us such a strong family.
3: I find it's impossible, impossible to sit out there and not root for Michael DiPietro <laughs> to succeed on the ice Is you're succeeding in life in so many ways and get there to the next level in the NHL. I just find it impossible to talk to you. It's, you. It's, it's inspiring, and your, your attitude is so positive, and you're, you're, you're so humble and grateful and focused at the same time. It seems like a, a nice a hidden internal motivation that you have to succeed for those reasons. I respect you a lot, man. It's Thank you. Great conversation so far. We'll continue. <laughs> we'll do it next. Utica Comets Insider from the 72 Tavern with Rain and Scoop and 94.9 K-Rock.
0: Let's go, Comets! Let's saucer pass back to Rain Man and Scoop on Comets Insider. You live from the 72 Tavern and Grill on 94.9 K-Rock
1: where you could catch
0: Jets Patriots tonight if you'd like to and our
1: continuing conversation with Michael DiPietro. If you've missed any of it so far, we're going to have it podcasted later. You can check all our social media links for that. All of this brought to you by IBEW Local Union 43, Hobby Hill Farms and Pathfinder Bank, Scoop and Rain, 72 Tavern and Grill. I got to ask you, Michael, you didn't play Saturday night, but you go in and you sit down... I'm not sure where you watch the game from, but I'm sure you were watching Zane McIntyre stop 45 of 46. That was a pretty active night, a little different than... Your jason aldean singing night of uh, 18 shots
4: <laughs> <laughs> yeah it was a little different um obviously zane played a great game he definitely kept us in it early they were out shooting uh, out shooting us pretty bad i think they had
1: 11 shots before we got one i think before it was. we got our
4: goal yeah. yeah it was uh and what a freaky
1: goal that was you bounce it off uh the hockey gods were they were crazy john sebastian d there
4: yeah but no he, he's obviously a great uh zano's been a great goaltender for a very long time and he, he's a great person you know maybe even even better person than a goaltender as well and um with with him and Baki I feel like I've been learning so much so far um and you know I feel like it's a lot of information I could take from you know the guys who been playing pro for such a long time from around the game, so uh, yeah, Zane definitely. Uh, you know, who knows? Maybe if I had a game like that, uh, I think I'd still be singing, but uh, maybe not as loud. I think I'd be breathing a little heavier, but uh, I-, I wouldn't hit my acoustical notes pretty well.
3: I think it's fantastic. Your mindset—you you, you said I don't look at stats, and I, I just kind of sit in there and try to win. I love that attitude. You're it simple.
1: sounds like you know, shot to shot, you're just you're, you're in the now. you're yeah. in the present.
4: Yeah, you can't you can't worry about what's coming next. So obviously, you can predict if you know if we're getting early power plays later on in the game, they're going to get some late power plays, and I'm going to be dealing with some penalty kill stuff. But you know, if you start worrying about that stuff, um, you know, then you just psych yourself out. I have written on my blocker it says, "Take it one puck at a time," and you know that's something that uh, I've been working with. You know, mental performance coaches with that's something that I've kind of stuck with but also using our mental performance coach, coach in Ashwin Patel and, and using his, uh, you know, advice and guidance to allow me to just continue to stay in the moment. You know, you're on an island for more than, you know, 20 minutes. You don't get to go to the bench after every 30, 40 seconds. So uh, I got to make sure I'm uh, engaged in the game a lot. You you,
3: you you, think things through before you get on the ice because then you could just get on there and play. And that's what you love to do. You've said that in so many different places that I've seen. I've seen it in print. I've seen it in video form. I just love to play hockey. So take us back to when you got the chance to play pro hockey which is the nhl draft so mikey was uh 2017 third round second pick 64th overall um i'm sure your reaction but dad's reaction family's reaction friends reaction everybody the phone must have blown up and i mean just give us uh now that it's sunk in a little bit and you've had some time to think about it and look back on it just what are your what are the first things that pop in your mind when i bring up draft day for you
4: it was uh it was a whirlwind that's that's the one word i could definitely say uh your emotions you know when you're sitting there you know you could think oh this would be a good fit for me i think i'm gonna go there my interview was good with this team with this team and you'd be disappointed then you'd be really happy and then you know stuff different things happen uh, throughout the course of draft day but looking back on it nothing was better than hearing your name called um i think no matter where it was called it would be an honor But, you know, I always said, I think getting drafted by an NHL Canadian team would always be pretty cool. And it came true. But that whole year in general was, you know, really ironic and really weird for a lot of reasons. Um, It was my NHL draft year. We're hosting the Memorial Cup. I'm from the area. I'm the only player from the area. Um, I got drafted sixty fourth, which is my number that I wore on oh, Windsor. Yeah. My dad was born in nineteen sixty four. So I had just, a
3: feeling that was the significance of the number. Just okay. like the
4: stars aligned for some reason and it, it was that's all my family could say was, you know, my mom was looking over me. That's it was just really uh, it was such a cool experience and being able to, being able to share that with Um, you know, my, my friends and my family, actually my dad's childhood friends, there's a group of seven of them and they all have DiPietro, uh, Spitfire shirts yeah and they actually all drove down to the draft together amazing that we had a big big dinner after getting whatever but yeah they all wore them on, on that day so I took a picture with them uh, with it with their with my name and everything it was it was pretty cool so it was good to share with friends and family
3: it really is how about how was that uh, how was that father-son hug when you oh, <laughs> best it was, ever
4: it was, it was a big it was a big bear hug but it was one of those things where I actually had I had French cuffs with cufflinks on so my jacket was getting caught and I just want to get down the stairs <laughs> That's like your heart's racing. You're sweating so much. And my dad and I did our secret handshake that we always do, but it was more like it's a really quick version of it because I just want to sprint down and get that jersey on. But, uh, yeah, it was pretty funny. That's fantastic. And yet,
1: uh, if I understand correctly, you started as a defenseman before transitioning to
4: Yeah, yeah, it was pretty funny. Uh, When I was five, I was a defenseman. I started as a player, yes. Um, I was always a chunky kid, Yes, you've got to remember. I was very, um, you know, I was like a snowman without the third bottom. I guess I was very round. Is you Goldberg? Remember that? I was it? Goldberg. My name was Goldberg growing up when I switched to goalie. That's hilarious. Okay, continue. So I was. Uh, so my dad started dating my mom, and I saw my brother make a save on a breakaway, and I loved how goalie could be an X factor. So yes, I wanted to switch being a goalie, and that's been the story, which is yes, that's one hundred percent true. But also, I was very heavy set kid. So I did the math. I'm like, you know, goalies are great. You know, being the X factor. But I don't want to skate up and down the ice. You know, this is like a perfect. I can just stay sedentary. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and yeah. Next time. I'm like, this is perfect. And oh, sing. I can just continue eating on cooking. It's perfect. <laughs> but, you know, as I grew older, it's like, wow, it's actually a lot more work than I thought it was going to be. So, uh, yeah. No, and you're it, pretty it acrobatic so in there. Yeah. It's, uh, it's,
3: yeah, you've developed uh, some, some athleticism. You're definitely not the chunky kid anymore, man.
4: Well, if, I, well, if I'm six foot, I got to be something that can differentiate me from other goalies. So I think athleticism has to be uh, one of the major things.
3: Tell us about the head trajectory technique. Now, I can read the quote that's in front of me, but I would rather hear it in your own words. Would you, I can even show you your own quote talking about that. And I wonder, the addendum to this is, does it incorporate the Demko special? Because, it, jokingly, Thatcher's known for occasionally smacking a puck out of the air with his head or making a save with his head, doing one of those, I'm... Waving my head back and yeah, forth. It's become a thing. It's called the Demco <laughs> special. Yeah, it's, uh, especially around these parts, and now he's Vancouver, carried it up to yeah. Vancouver. But t- t- explain in layman's terms to those out there that are watching you what you're trying to do in that in that
4: sense. Basically, when you when you track a puck, there's a difference between looking at a puck and tracking a puck. Looking at a puck is basically you're just, okay, you're looking at it. But tracking it is actually you're paying attention, number one, where it comes off the blade of the stick. Um, you're looking more probably on top of the puck. So, actually, when you look down at something, it seems a lot closer than if you look up and look to see where it is. Mm-hmm. So, when you look down on it, it's actually a shorter push that you have to make. And uh, when you look down on it, you can come on top of it more. And actually, like, the easiest test is basically you put a pen on the ground and you look straight, say, pick it up. So, you, more, you reach, but your body goes the other way. When you track it, you look at it, your body comes forward. Yeah. So you're more on top of it. That's basically the easiest way you can do it and show it to yourself.
3: Those fine little details, though, are the difference between getting a piece of a shot and deflecting it or it going past you. Is that one of the most helpful things that you've had along the way to fine-tuning your game?
4: I think so. I think uh, it's been a combination of things, obviously, tracking be one, being one of them. Um, it allows me to move more efficiently, to understand why and where the puck is going at this particular point. Um, that, along with obviously using different stances—high stance, medium stance, and low goalie stances—that uh, I've been working with Curtis Sanford and Clark with as well. Um, but a combination of those things has helped me uh, definitely evolve my game to being more efficient. And to giving me success you know as I move forward in my career, I wonder if you 're singing while you're can you sing and
3: do that? can you multitask <laughs> or when, when does the song stop, and the hyper focus of that start again crosses the red line? yeah, little...
4: I think any rush I think the the, the song kind of puts it on pause or you just turn the volume down a little bit. And you just uh, focus on that, but when you break out're you 're back into it,
3: you can do it that quick.
4: I think so. I think you know you have to be able to you know find love in the game, you have to you know find some find something that you know distracts you in a way and uh you know brings you back to uh you know why you started playing hockey in the first place
1: and talk about slowing the game down because it is a fast game but doing what you do you've got a lot of things going on in your head a lot of calculations are being made and you slow the game down to see the puck better to, to block it better. Talk about that whole process for you.
4: Yeah, I think to, with talking with Ian Clark and talking with Curtis Sanford, the goalie coaches here, the well, Vancouver organization, um, the biggest thing is gaining information. Gain as much information as you can before the puck crosses your blue line. See how many guys are in the rush. See if they're the D-men are on a line change. Just gain as much as you can before the rush actually finds your end. And then once you know, once you do that, then you sift through all the information what you can discard and what you can use. And then uh, you know you have a better understanding on that whole sequence happening in your zone. And then whenever there's a board battle or something that the puck has kind of stalled for a little bit, take a look, reassess, take a look. reassess. Is there anything? Is the weak side deactivating? You know, gaining as much information so then your movements aren't as impulsive or aren't as sudden as you know, you know the fan or the average fan can really see. Because you always did those, you know, pre-steps that allowed you to make a movement that looks seemingly effortless, while gaining that information. Do they,
1: do they coach you on specific guys on a, a, an opposing team, like say a Tage Thompson the other night, or a Scott Wilson? Do they they give you some tendencies to look for, or they like this shot, or he likes that?
4: Yeah, I think uh, in junior, I used to hate learning about the other team. I always approach that every player is like Sidney Crosby, and I just deal with, the, with what's going to be thrown my way. Um, but now transitioning in, into pro, I kind of have been more open-minded about learning about a few more players. But the problem is, is that it kind of goes to the analytical standpoint, and for me not looking at stats or my stats, is because I don't want to psych myself out. I don't want to be like you know this player's. I don't really care good. Who, I you know. don't
3: care who that is. I'm going to stop the exactly. puck. Exactly.
4: But you know, anytime you can learn tendencies, like for my first game against Syracuse, Corey Connor Corey Conacher on the power play loves the one timer. Okay, being aware of that, and I and I got a teeth full of his slap shot right in the head. But it, nothing was better than doing my homework and then seeing the benefits of it because of coaches giving me a heads up. Um, yeah, he's their boosh for sure. But yeah, I wouldn't. Uh, I wouldn't want to have too much information because then you lose, you know, your reactionary instincts that've gotten me so far. So I think there's uh there's definitely a healthy balance, but it's something that um you know, you can help give yourself the advantage.
3: We're coming up to a break. I want to ask one last question of you mikey Di Pietro because I I always extend our segments a little longer. It's, it's okay.
4: A, I love I love this stuff, so it's all it, good.
3: As far as Utica, I, let's 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 take you off the ice for a minute. You've been here about a month as you said. We always like to find out maybe where you went for lunch, a couple places you've stopped into, uh, have you checked out the mall yet, just uh, places that just Mikey's walked around as as a human
1: and experienced his new city. We heard you might have been to Delmonico's.
4: Been to Delmonico's, I'm not kidding you, probably about seven times. Awesome. I've tried probably (laughs) about every appetizer there. Okay. Um... Probably about half the dessert's delicious. Um, I'm a big foodie, so I do like my food. Um, It's okay. For me, I like cooking also. Once I got my apartment, I kind of tapered back going out. But I've been to basically almost every restaurant on the Strip of Genesee. Uh Just just checking it out, seeing kind of what it's like. Um, I've heard a lot about Banu. haven't been to Banu yet. Good place. Got to try that out. Uh, Highly
3: highly recommended. I've been there. I've been to Core
4: Life in uh, New Hartford. Nice and healthy. Especially got to make sure you... you Keep your body weight not too high for me. So uh, right, fair enough. I'm like an Italian sausage. I'm very dense, so <laughs> I gotta make sure I, I watch uh, watch what I put in my body. That's for sure. <laughs> all right, baby. Well, we
3: appreciate the time we we got Joe Roberts lined up for for next. Uh, he's he's told us some fun stories about what to expect with you, and everything <laughs> he said was true, and it's all in a good way. Goaltender Michael DiPietro, number 64 for Utica Comets. Nice enough to join us on Comets Insider at the 72 Tavern with 94.9 K Rock.
0: Let's do that hockey. Utica Comets Insider. Live from the 72 Tavern and Grill on 94.9 K Rock. And now our Comets Insider Grindline with Rain Man the Rocket, Scoop the Cement Head, and play by play voice, Joe Kujo Roberts. Maybe I'll
3: be stat boy for a second, but I got to throw some numbers at you, Scoop. All right. So
0: the five and zero start,
3: first time ever to start to start a season for the Comets in seven years in existence. Red hot, outscoring teams twenty nine to eleven in the five games. Boucher, eight goals, two assists, ten points, five games. Dobin, who is the CCM AHL player of the week. We'll get back to that. First in a skater, Comet skater, to get that award. We'll get back to that in just a second. He's got a goal and assist, 9 points, 4 games. Sven Berchi, a couple goals, 6 assists, 8 points, 4 games. And then Cole Lind, a goal, 6 assists, 7 points, 5 games. Those four are in the top 20 overall in AHL scoring. Boucher and Goldie tied right at the top. It's this is uh, some unprecedented things for the comets happening right now. They are
1: deep and they are good right now as it stands and you just wanna keep that going. Two goals really stood out to me from Saturday night. First one is very obvious, the toe drag, Zach McEwen. Oh, sick a thing of beauty. Yes. All right. And I loved the shorthanded goal with the Ole Ulevi pass down to I, I think it was Boucher who then set up Wacy Hamilton. Yeah. You know, um, seeing that just brightened my whole evening. It was just fantastic, and two of my favorite goals so far this season. Well, we've got the audio of those goals by The Voice, Joe Roberts, who's
3: on the phone right now. Let's have our glue guy, Matt, back in the studio fire goal number three from the Charlotte game. That's Wacy Hamilton's goal, and then we'll get to the highlight from the Q, and we'll have Joe comment on both. So... Go ahead, man. This is from Charlotte? Yeah, this is uh from the or Charlotte or Rochester? Um, you would mention oh no wait, yeah, from the Rochester game. I'm sorry, okay. from the Rochester right. game, the Wacy Hamilton goal. All right. Yes.
1: Utica will control again. Nice pass to 11 to Boucher, right side in rink wide
0: in with a shorthanded tally.
1: Wow. Joe yeah, That was a thing of beauty. Joe. Your, your
3: impression of that goal. Just back us up.
1: Uh, sorry, which goal was that that you guys are listening to? Well, we're, we were both bragging on the Zach McEwen goal and the Wasey-Hamilton goal. I love the Wasey-Hamilton goal, the shorthanded thing. There was a nice Ole Ulevi pass to help set that whole thing up. The stretch pass, yeah. And then, of course, the toe drag from Zach McEwen, it was just outstanding. We'll start with Wasey's goal. Yeah, I, th-
2: I, think the, uh, I think the Hamilton goal, obviously, you can't downplay the... Uh, technical ability of Ulevi's little slap pass there from his own zone. I thought that was his best game that he's had all season uh, with a couple of assists. And, uh, you know, primary assists are are oftentimes sort of uh, maybe uh, uh, valued higher than the secondary, but that play doesn't happen without a spectacular secondary assist from Ole. So uh, I think that play was, was nothing short of unbelievable. And then, uh, you know, Boucher's dish and, and Hamilton's finish is not easy either, right? That's a one-timer across the body for a left-handed shot on the left wing, so that takes some technical ability as well. Um, the McEwen goal, oof, man, come on. That's some otherworldly skill right there. That's the only way to describe it. It was uh, it was something special. I don't know how many more you're going to see that are prettier than that as the season goes on. So uh, enjoy that one while you can.
3: Matt, let's fire the fourth goal, the McEwen goal, from that game so everybody can hear Joe's description.
2: Nice play broken up by Justin Bailey. Numbers for the comments Here they come with McEwen. Bailey to the net. McEwen right wing. Toe drag. Holds in.
1: I did like how he got a touchdown Utica again on Saturday. Oh, yeah. I mentioned that
3: the other day I was, <laughs> on Saturday during pregame when he joined us actually a couple of times. I love when he throws it. And sometimes, man, when a team, a hockey team, scoring a touchdown and an extra point, and then you get to the eighth goal, you got to throw out the extra point because they got the two point conversion. That is a team that is clicking on all cylinders yet. As we mentioned at the very beginning of the opening segment, Trent Call will still say things like, we can get better. We can get better. So, going to have Matt play Trent calls post game comments and then I want to hear what Joe has to say if he I'm sure he'll agree with them uh, but let's get his reaction after that. It's amazing how in the last couple of days, how many goals we've gotten off, like goalie pressure. Guys have done a great job of that. So, yeah, obviously that was a big goal. And then you saw
2: we got momentum and we started rolling there about the 10-minute mark. Fortunate, it's a, it's, a, it's a group that we're learning how to coach as well. I don't, I've never coached a group like this. You know, We can be better. We can be better. We know that we can be better defensively. We know we can be better in some of the uh, situations where we can
3: limit more chances against. And that's something we're going to have to put some time in and get better at.
1: Joe, they're demolishing teams, especially the last three games. And like what you mentioned Saturday, we're scoring like every third shot. And I think you mentioned, well, it's every five shots now. But obviously the team doesn't want to allow 46 shots on goal. You can't get complacent. You've got to get better. There's still things to do. It's still early in the
3: season. Joe, what do you think?
2: Yeah, I mean, I was uh, I was reading an article the other day. I think it was a Cody Severus an article. He mentioned something about how, you know, he didn't think last year's team maybe had that stay on the gas mentality. I think now this team wants to see how big they can win games based on how this week went. Um, so I think they're 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 showing a, a killer instinct that I don't know if it was there yesterday. Now remember, this is the smallest of small sample sizes, right? We're six percent through the season. There's still a lot of hockey to be played, and you know, travel and tough teams, and um, you know, over the course of the season, injuries will obviously take place and call ups, et cetera, et cetera. But Uh, In the meantime, you know it's uh, it's a luxury to be able to lean on uh, guys like Zay McIntyre and Mikey DiPietro. You know when McIntyre was in net um, on Saturday against Rochester, and the comments were being on shot ten to nothing. We started doing before Jersey was sort of bailed out with the goal that he scored. There was never a moment where I felt like uncomfortable. Um, McIntyre has almost a uh, Thatcher Demko like presence, where you expect him to make every save. Um, you know, there's never really a moment where you sort of hold your breath while the other team is coming in. You're pretty confident that he's going to make the first and oftentimes the second save, too, um, and keep your hockey team in it. So I think that it's starting there, uh, and that, that's really been special. And then you have that young E corps, which is inexperienced, and I think a lot of their experience has been – um, lost with the call-up of Ashton Sodner, which we kind of laugh about. You know, when you're talking about a 24-, 25-year-old guy being your most experienced is sort of a weird scenario. In what profession is that the norm? Um, but I think as, as far as things go for Trent Call, I, I think what he's saying is, he, you know, when he said, we're still learning how to coach a bunch like this, uh, you know, they've never had a bunch like this. I think pretty saying is that they are insanely, insanely, insanely skilled. Um, and obviously everybody had a front row seat to that. You know, usually when you have a three-game work week, you hope you can win two, uh, pick up four, maybe five points if overtime is required in, in one of them. But um, anytime you get into that Saturday game with two wins, you're playing with house money and uh, in the comments were able to uh, rob the house clean because they picked up all six points. So I, I just – I would wrap the whole thing up by saying, my God, what a fun week of hockey. Are you kidding
3: yeah, it really was, Joe. The last thing I want to ask you tonight is uh, break down the where the puck went on that that play with Perone, and there was a game misconduct called. Trent had offered the apology afterwards. I think he was upset about a penalty that was called on him, and he, you know, he flipped the pick the fuck out. Yeah, just give us a quick thirty seconds on that situation. Where do we stand? I with didn't that? even
1: know that was you know a deal. People have been game asking me. Uh, yeah,
2: yeah. I mean, I I didn't see it. Uh, so I can't speak on it. Uh, i just plain and simple. I did not see it. I did not notice it, so I can't give two cents on it because I don't have two cents on it. Uh, the officials made the call. He got a game misconduct. The comment said to play the game short a man, and uh, they were able to pull their weight and do their job. So uh, they won a man short. Obviously, uh, you know, Perron's probably not excited about the fact that he got a game misconduct. Trent Call's probably not excited about the fact that he got a game misconduct, but the team won the game. Uh, it wasn't too detrimental in the long run, but uh, other than what I saw, I didn't, so I don't really have anything to add on that.
3: All right, Joe, we appreciate the time. As always, every Monday about 7.30, you'll hear from the voice of the Utica Comets, Joe Roberts here on Comets Insider. It's kind of crazy when you can go out and you're down 10 nothing in shots. You haven't taken a shot yet. Then you go down the ice, Sven Berchi, and you score a goal. How deflating is that for the other team?
1: And how uplifting is it for that your team? And then you well, was, rattle off six more after that. You, you bounce it off a sliding guy on the ice. You know, that's an unusual situation, but... One that hockey players practice.
3: Well, Trent, Trent College said, you know, with the 29 goals in the five games, I wish there was a savings account that you could tap back into. In other words... How the, often have we said that as fans in every sport? The, the bounces are going your way. Take it while you can get it because they're not always going to go your way. Trent said, yeah, I'm fortunate because it's a group that we're learning how to coach. Blah, blah, blah. You've heard the rest of that. I mean, it's just... They can get better, and that should be scary to some other teams if they keep playing at this level
1: and get better. Look out. Well, I don't know that we'll have this same roster all the way through the season. I would tell you to get down here and catch the game Friday night because it is
3: exciting hockey. This is 94.9 K-Rock, and we've got Corey Hergot from Canucks Army next.
0: Now back to two guys who have spent more than a little time in the sin bin. Here's Ray and Scoop on Comets Insider.
1: Live from the 72 Tavern and Grill. If you missed our conversation with goaltender Michael DiPietro earlier or Joe Roberts, play by play voice of your Utica Comets, we're going to have this podcasted shortly after the conclusion of the show. Check our social media links uh, at K Rock Rain, at K Scoop, at K Rock CNY. You'll find it there. You can always listen at K You can also have your Echo Dot. Play the program very easy to do, and another guy we like to have on this show uh, every chance we can from Canucks Army, Corey Hergott joins us, and wow, what uh, three games! An amazing stretch of games we have had here, Corey, with the offensive firepower and the penalty kill kicking butt, and the power play starting to get going, getting a little better. Yep, they're getting that; they're working that out. Yeah, it's been no
5: fun at all covering this team through the first five games, eh? <laughs> These guys are really—they're really, uh, they're really uh, taking advantage of the fact that they've got guys like Nikolai Goldobin and Sven Berchi, uh with the team right now. And uh, I've heard uh, the clip of Trent Cole saying he's—you know—he's wishing he could bank the goals, but uh, at least right now they're banking some points while they've got—you uh, know—two guys playing for the team that probably should be playing up in the NHL. So. Uh, it's a really good way for them to get the season going, for sure.
3: Adam Gaudette has played three of eight. He's lightning in a bottle in the preseason and the first couple games. That's a potential roster addition down here at some point, don't you think? If he's not playing there, he's got to get some time on the ice. He's coming back down here. Think about strengthening the Utica Comets even more with that addition. What's the deal with Adam Gaudet?
5: Well, that's just it. I mean, he's been, uh, like you say, he's been sitting out the last handful of games while uh, Brandon Sutter's been been running that uh, third line in the middle. So, um, yeah, I mean, I have all the time in the world to see Adam Gaudet come back down to Utica and, and you know, get, get some big minutes. Um, you know, he he should be playing, whether it's going to be in Vancouver or down in Utica, he should be playing right now. And that's one of the big things uh, Matt mentioned it to me in my ear off air here, uh, that I was going to talk about uh, as well is the fact that they're doing all of this, like the Comets right now, or their record is as good as it is while using Lucas Yashik and Francis Perron in the middle. And both guys are, you know, they're generally wingers. Uh, Perron played a little bit of the middle, uh, in Belleville, uh, and a little bit in junior, but not a lot. And, uh, Lucas Yashik played a bit of the middle, uh, when he was overseas, but, uh, you know, the fact that they're able to do this with those two guys playing out of position, uh, you know, kudos to the coaching staff and for those uh, those kids for stepping up.
1: We've seen some different lines, but we've seen some lines really work, you know, and we have spoken with you about uh, Zach McEwen with Justin Bailey, and uh, Zach McEwen has played with Boosh and Nikolai Goldobin as well, and Justin Bailey has played with Sven Berchi and Francis Perrin. So I think we could probably see that uh, some of that tinkering continue. But, you know, when do you do that with everything working so well right now? Yeah, it ain't broke. Don't try to fix it. Keep the consistency, I'm thinking.
5: Well, they do have a lot of options that they can play with, which is nice for, you know, when the injuries hit or when the call-ups happen or when guys just aren't going. But uh, right now, I mean, that that line of Boucher, Camper, and Lind is, is playing, you know, those guys are playing really well together. I wouldn't want to be breaking those guys up right now. Uh, and, and Goldobin on either side of Lucas Yashik, I think, is uh, that's brilliant by the coaching staff putting those three together. Yashik is such a puck hound. He's a, a puck possession machine, he, he's a puck retrieval machine. So, him, uh, working with two, you know, two guys who can take advantage of that, but two guys who can also help his game along offensively, I think that's great. And, uh, you can see the the chemistry forming between Perron, McEwen, and uh, and Bailey. And, I mean, those three together, they're fast. They've got, uh, between McEwen and, and Bailey, they've got some good size, and all three of them have the skill set to put the other team back on their heels. So uh, the Comets can come at you in waves. They've got three lines that can outscore you and one that can beat you black and blue. So it's a pretty good combination, I think.
1: What does Coach Travis Green have to see from Nikolai Goldobin and Sven Berchi to maybe bring them up and and put them uh, with the Canucks again. Now, obviously, there's an injury or something like that that would uh, obviously make that happen. But what does he really want to see from those guys down here to to give them a look up there again?
5: I think in Sven's case, it's going to be mostly just about him staying healthy. Uh, You know, showing that he can uh he can battle through these games and not get dinged up health has been kind of the biggest issue with Sven uh in his time with vancouver as far as goldie i think it's just going to be a matter of uh you know goldobin staying engaged in all three zones from start to finish in a game uh you know we've seen him doing that so far he's playing pretty well he's had his lapses at times uh, as hockey players do but uh I, I think really the biggest thing with the, with these guys being down here is it's just a matter of the depth that the organization has right now. They've got guys up in Vancouver playing roles that maybe those two guys uh, don't necessarily fit into. If you're if you're trying to wonder why those two are in Utica while a uh, uh, Tim Schaller type is up in Vancouver, Schaller plays a different role than these two guys play, and and it's a role that Travis Green has time for. So. I think uh, until we see guys getting injured in the top six in Vancouver, or unless they want to see Bo uh, Horvat uh, get another look with Berchi because they've had that chemistry in the past, I think that's when we'll see the uh, Goldobin and, and Berchi heading back up.
3: Corey, I saw an interesting stat put out put out there: average height, weight, age per season in the seven years in existence of the Utica Comets. This is the youngest team. Average age that the Utica Comets have put on the ice in any one of those seven seasons. Now, you're talking about a few months here and there, averaging about 24.63 years of age now. The oldest the team ever was, start of season, was 26.14. Not that it's a huge, I mean, these are all guys in their mid 20s, basically, early to mid 20s. But isn't that interesting? It's the youngest team ever and yet off to the best start ever. Should I read into that? Would you read into that?
2: I think what
5: all I'm reading into that part, like the, the hot start, really, is the fact that they've got, uh, they like I was saying earlier, that the team has uh, a roster of players right now that is pretty impressive. I mean, they can put you back on your heels one line after another. So I think that's the biggest thing with this start. Uh, it's great that they've got, uh, I think what we can read into it being the youngest team ever uh, right now is the fact that the team actually has young players that the coaching staff is playing and I think that's a good thing. The organization organization's done a really nice job in the last handful of years of building up depth in this system. And uh, now we're starting to see more of those guys coming in at once. Like, we had a handful of guys last year show up as rookies up front. And now this year, there's a bunch of guys on the back end. So I, I, I really like the way things are going uh, as far as the youth movement.
3: Corey Hergot with canucks army 745 every monday joins us a utica comets insider from the 72 tavern and grill is brought to you by ibew local union 43 hobby hill farms and pathfinder bank here on 94.9 K Rock. blue guy matt will have the podcast up apple podcast google play spotify soundcloud or check the social media pages at scoops at at krock scoop at Rock rain or at Rock cny be back again to do it next monday seven o'clock